This is Father Gregory Pine. And this is Father Patrick Prisco. And welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today, Father Patrick and I are pumped to join or to have joined us, Adam and Jeffrey Trufant from Camps Catalea and Shastanga. Thanks so much for joining Godsplaining. Good to be here. Let's go. All right. So many people will know about the aforementioned two fun camps, but for those who don't know them, would you say a word about yourselves, a word about your camps, a word about whatever else comes to mind? Sure. Let's start us off. Absolutely. So we are a family owned wilderness adventure camp, traditional North Carolina extended stay sleepaway camps. Our focus is on skills growth in activities like whitewater canoeing and kayaking, rock climbing, mountain biking, backpacking and that sort of thing. But we also have a lot of awesome um, sort of in-camp activities, archery, riflery, horseback riding, tennis, pickleball, and other wonderful things. Um, but the idea is that you come and you plant yourself in a community for anywhere from one to five weeks. And um, and you grow. You grow together. You grow um, towards virtue. You grow towards skills, skills growth and love of the outdoors. Uh, and it's just a whole lot of fun. And it's, um, it's something that our family has been doing for almost 35 years. And we're really grateful to be a part of this um, this mission and have it as our personal apostolate. I think the only thing I would add is our, our parents uh, purchased the summer camps, Catalina and Chastanga. So Catalina is a girls camp, Chastanga is for boys. Uh, they purchased them in 1990, that was their first summer here. And then we took over from our parents uh, two summers ago with the operations, but they're still around and going strong and help us out so much. And uh, yeah, both of us, have, once we finished college, we had worked at camp through our time there, and then we sort of went off and did our own thing for a few years, got to adventure, uh, doing some international travel and um, guiding trips internationally, doing some youth ministry in Adam's side, and um, eventually both of us found our way here, uh, found our way back, just because of the richness of the community. It really, really pulled us back in, so... So I have a flipping question, and then I'm going to send it over to Father Patrick. Are you worried that the pickleballers are going to drive out the canoers, the kayakers, the climbers? <laughs> this is a risk. Um, we, are, we are aware of this. We have to confiscate the paddles. <laughs> In between I'm, periods, they get dangerous. I'm so upset right now because I was going to make a pickleball comment. <laughs> Adam's really stoked on the pickleball. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to say, I think it's great that you're raising all these kids to be boomers when they grow up. <laughs> How else will they learn to be 80 unless we teach them now? Oh, yeah. Uh, so a, a lot of our listeners are probably in similar situations um, uh, in small businesses where where it's a family enterprise um, or or you've entered into business with a close friend. Uh, so, so as you've stepped into this, what, what are some of the benefits and, uh, and some of the challenges in operating a small business with, with your, within a community that you've come to know and love and, and within your own family? Uh, I, I, I think that one of my favorite parts about uh, stepping into it has been being able to work with Adam and our, our third brother as well, uh, more closely in every day. I, the challenges, you know, they're, they're constantly, I, I don't know if I need to enumerate them, uh, just like being in such close community with siblings can be really hard sometimes. You're very familiar with each other and, you know, all three of us are incredibly stubborn. And so when we, uh, when we decide what we want, sometimes it, it takes a while to work up the humility to work together on something. But it's also been 
that exact thing that's been, you know, we have a shared mission and shared goals and continuing to come back to that allows us, I think, the gift of humility uh, within that greater vision to work together and the, the opportunity to keep growing that relationship as a family as uh, while it's been challenging at times, it's also been probably one of my favorite aspects of working in this business the last few years. Yeah, I think you better but, say something nice. About a, a personal reflection. <laughs> that was great. Jeffrey. Well said. <laughs> a personal reflection. I think John of the Cross has something, uh, a, a quote where he's speaking to novices in his community. And he's, he says something along the lines of this, this is going to hurt. You're going to live in close quarters and um, the rough will be chiseled from your soul. And if you have some other view of religious life, um, then you should probably not be a part of this call. You, know, you have to discern um, that this is a call. And, you know, family is, you don't discern it like religious life. It's a part, it's a part of your, your story. But I've thought about that often, you know, because we're different people, different, different visions. Um, but moving forward, and it took us a long time to discern how to, to proceed as a family because we're three of seven children. And um, so it was a prayerful pro process as a family. Uh, but I see, I think often of that John of the Cross quote, like, hey, this is, if this is our call, then there's grace for it. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And this is what love looks like when you're, when you're um, you know, yoked together towards a, a common end. Um, but I, I, with Jeffrey, would say that that's one of the things that's the most satisfying about working here. Probably a lot like religious life. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, he moves on to a new topic. No, just kidding. Uh, so uh, you have a rare, I suppose, gift or you have a rare grace even in your life in that you work together on a common project, which is very beautiful. I don't know that everyone has that experience in their work. Like, I don't know that most accountants would say, yes, the sweet, sweet beauty of QuickBooks, or that lawyers would say, ah, yes, the sweet, sweet beauty of litigation. Uh, but you guys get to partake richly of the sweet, sweet beauty of the Blue, the Blue Ridge um, and like the region in which you live, which is historic and just wonderful beyond compare. So what role does beauty play in your apostolate and in your relationships? Okay. What role does beauty play in our apostolate and in our relationships? Yeah, I, I think um, you can correct me on this, fathers, but I think in Romans, Paul says that just just by um, by seeing the visible world, uh, by encountering the natural world, by seeing the stars at night and the mountains in their grandeur, uh, the forests in their depth and their their allure, you know, this there's something in us that can see the Creator through the canvas. Um, so for me, this is a huge, a huge gift, uh, not just to, to constantly refocus on the canvas itself and, and try to learn what I can about God's heart through his creation, but trying to lead others to that too. I, you know, I think, um, my father told me one time, uh, that so, so long as you can discern beauty, then you're going to be okay. And I was going through a tough time in my life, but that, I thought that was a really profound statement. So long as you can see beauty and appreciate it, then there's then things are clicking in your heart. They're they're moving in the right direction. And camp is um, it's sort of a detox for a lot of our kids who come for for weeks at a time. It's a it's a bit of a detox for even us, the staff. You know, we're all immersed in a world of cell phones and and uh, instant satisfaction and what from one 
avenue or another. So having the opportunity to slow down, move in real time, hear the wind in the leaves, watch sunrises and sunsets, encourage people to be at home in the woods and to adjust to its pace, let the wilderness teach us in that regard. Um, it's all beautiful. And it, it, it does have a sense of a power of conversion. Um, if not immediately to knowing God better, at least to a space of peace in the heart where we can hear his call. So beauty is a huge part of that. And um, so much of the work, I take great solace in, you know, we have a lot of programs, there's a lot of pressure to execute them well, but so much of what happens at camp is just immersion in natural beauty. And uh, I think that that makes people grateful for life, grateful for their relationships. And uh, yeah, it's a real privilege to be able to work outside uh, and invite others to love it as much as we do. So, yeah. We have, we have five core values, and um, the, the fifth one is encounter faith. Um, and there's like little subtenants under each one, and the, the first one under encounter faith is, um, is cultivate wonder, grow gratitude. And uh, I think when we were putting those together, the, the thought there was like people are in all sorts of different spaces on their faith journey when they come to camp. Um, some people really know their faith. They're very devout, and other people, you know, Maybe it's a, something that their family has uh, has shared with them, but maybe it's a little bit less personal. And um, one of the, the benefits of, of beauty that I think we embrace or work to is just that that wonder aspect, allowing the wonder to do the work. Um, you know, once people are see things that are just jaw dropping and beautiful, it's hard not to feel some humility and some gratitude for that. And that can start an entire relationship with something greater than yourself, with God, um, you know, with, without us having to preach anything, just with us, you know, like, let's go be out in the woods together. Let's live a normal human life together and let's be in a space where, you know, we encounter wonder both in like how we're stretched individually and internally and in the greatness of the world around us, the mountains, the sky, the fire, um, the relationship. I want to ask a little follow-up there, uh, moving 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 a little bit deeper. So, what exactly are the rules about technology at camp, and how how do how do kids who show up at camp interact with them? How do they find it? Uh, so, so I, I guess in part what I'm looking for is um, is your sense of where young people are coming from. How attached are they to to their phones? Uh, you meant you you mentioned their phone use, Adam. Um, and what does it do? What do you see it do in their relationships? Um, when they when they begin to step outside of maybe their normal patterns of tech use, I one thing that is very noticeable. It's not unlike when somebody steps into an adoration chapel and you uh, after a few minutes you hear this big exhale. It's like oh I don't have to worry in here. You know it's something something like that. Once they wow. get into the community and they realize oh I. This is a place where people are, are committed to loving me and loving me, overlooking my faults even. Um, so long as I'm doing my best to be a part of the flow and and uh, and and learn and, and be one of one of the crew, then it's going to be okay. As soon as they as soon as they get to that point, which sometimes takes a few days, there's a sense of exhale. There are, I would say, we all react differently to technological dependence and some of us are more addicted or dependent than others and um, there have been some uh, campers that I remember you know you're in the middle of this beautiful hike you're on day three and you're really pressing into this gorgeous mountain lake and everybody's so excited and one kid's kind of like you know what 
I really wish I was just playing Call of Duty right now. <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of like, hey, 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 open your eyes. Um, that 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 really happened to me, and um, <laughs> I think I think that uh, it it's enlightening, and we reflect on this with our staff, um, and we reflect on this with our campers too. Is it, so you know, where are the deeper currents of life? And uh, at the end of our life, when we're looking back, what are you going to be most grateful you spent your time doing? You know, investing in re- relationships is a really great, it's a great way to go. Um, growing in love, great way to go. Growing in your faith, uh, growing in hard skills that bring you to wild and beautiful places. These are great things. Um, but it, it's difficult because we've become, it's become so accepted um, to, uh, to, live, to, to live a life that's really immersed in sort of social media or not that all these things are evil, but sometimes they can complicate our, our understanding of self and others. And I don't know, I, I have so much to share on that, but I'd say that uh, the most common reaction is that on the last day when we hand our phones to the kids as they're getting on the bus or getting in the car with their parents, there's this sense of hesitation. Uh, for some, there's a sense of like disgust, like, oh, I don't want that again. You know, I've just gotten to a place where I feel like myself. So it's interesting um, for the for the majority of our campers who, you know, they're let's see, most of them have never had an opportunity to be away from their phone or their tablet or, or just a computer for so long. So it can be transformative. Just that you know, it can be transformative. I think it, it, it's probably also worth saying something about just like the amount of I think we're in a, such a plugged in world. It's difficult for our campers, of course, and camp is totally unplugged for them. For our staff, they have a bit more access to it in the evenings or in their time off. And, um, it, you know, you can see them wrestling with their relationship with technology throughout the summer. But it's also for the parents, too. Like, I think it's it's very hard for for parents who are accustomed to being able to touch base with their kids anytime to let go um, for multiple weeks at a time. Um, but I also think it's worth saying that it's like as we step away from that technology, it's an opportunity for people to trust themselves more for you to, instead of asking Google for you to ask a friend or ask a counselor or um, for parents to be able to trust that your, your kids are in good hands and that they have the opportunity to figure something out on their own and that it's worth it for them to do that and that they can grow into it. Um, so it, obviously sometimes that separation is hard, um, but it gives everybody, I think an opportunity to grow in trust of themselves and of their family and friends as well. Help start a conversation. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, so <laughs> apropos of that, maybe pursuing it a little bit further, how do you encourage these kids in their agency? That sounds like a hoity-toity word, but what I'm trying to say is I think a lot of us, regardless of age, but a lot of us are inclined to a certain passivity given the fact that so much is done for us uh, we've gotten in the habit of being content consuming monsters and um, we often think of life as kind of done to us when truth be told part of our Christian vocation is to be a kind of protagonist doesn't mean that like we're the superhero that's going to save whatever world stands in need of our ministrations but like like we're called to act um, we're called to exercise prudence we're called to we're called to live how do you get your you know how do you get your kids into the ring how do you help them not to be like the timid spectator who speculates as to whether he would have done better or worse, but never endeavors for himself. I think there's, um, 
there's obviously some things that we do as group activities. We live in a community, and so especially on the weekends, our weekends are pretty planned. Um, and the first few days of camp and the last few days of camp are pretty planned. But for those who come to a longer session, um, even as short as two weeks, but you know, as long as uh, nine weeks or five weeks, three weeks, you you get this this uh, several weeks in the middle of that time where you're able to sort of self-navigate. And how how that is encouraged and brought about for the kids is that, you know, in the first few days, they spend a lot of time with their cabin and they try out a bunch of different activities that are pre-arranged, pre-scheduled for them. So they get a sense of it. Like, even if you didn't want to rock climb, you're going to learn your knots and at least start climbing up the beginner wall. Um, and a lot of people find out by that that they're interested in something that they didn't know existed before or that they didn't think they were capable of before. And then it's guided from there. So the counselors will sit down with the campers on one of the first nights of camp and really help choose the activities that most interested them and try to pick appropriate goals so that in the coming weeks, they're able to aim for those. And the staff members can check in, make sure they're pursuing those, keep encouraging them on the trips. Um, but it allows the kids to have that voice and that choice and to really push them forward to have a little autonomy there as well. You know, they, in the end, they have to be responsible for themselves some, even though they get a lot of encouragement from the staff and from their community. But I'd say a, a huge part of it is also friendships. Um, folks who come in and they're very hesitant, uh, a lot of that hesitancy fades away when you're with a group of guys or girls that want to engage in these things as well. When you have counselors that you respect and who want to get to know you better and who are inviting you to come along. And, you know, our community always has so much impact on what we do and how we pull ourselves into the ring or conduct ourselves while we're in there. But it's uh, it, it's really beautiful. I think probably the most important thing, while there's structures and there's, you know, theme days and, you know, things that we do together and things where independence is given, the most important thing overall, I think, is how the friendships pull you into that, pull you higher. Yeah, and as, as campers climb in our activities, they have to... They have to be somewhat autonomous. You know, we're going to test their skills, make sure they're safe, but then they're the only ones who can kayak the kayak down that rapid. The counselors can't do it for them. They have to pick their own trail while mountain biking. You know, when they're scaling a rock face, nobody can do that for them. They have to put in the work and uh, decide that they're going to be committed to something. So sometimes it takes the campers a while. We're there to encourage them if, if there is a, a fear of engagement. Um, but frequently the most I would, I would say probably the most common feedback we get from our parents is that our campers are more independent when they get home. Mm -hmm. uh, they're more community oriented and they're more independent. And so that's something that I think is a fruit of the fact that every day they have to choose what they're going to do. Um, so yeah, that is very valuable since so many of our, our schools today uh, and sports, I would say for your average middle school or high school kid, uh, everything's planned out down to the minute and they sign up, but then they're told what to do. And so we try to create a different environment. And, um, and people fall in love with that, with the ability to choose their own path. And I, I think that's one of the reasons our staff keep coming back is because they've gained a lot from the experience. Uh, I certainly have when I've been with you guys. <laughs> and I developed a new sense of agency, nearly knocking myself off, <clears throat> jumping off a, a rock face into a... Into a pool at the bottom of a waterfall. Father Gregory thought that I was going to be a total goner there. But <laughs> I did. We, we I certainly it. did. 
Yeah, I believe you, oh, your, you prayer, your prayer, right, was please, Lord, let Patrick live. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> but uh, but I, I think one of the things that I've certainly experienced when we've, when we've had our God's Planning Men's Wilderness Retreats at camp um, and experienced at other, at other camps in my own life is a, is a particular kind of friendship that forms at camp. So, Jeffrey, I was really glad when you when you when you brought up friendship because it it seems that there's something about being at camp that allows a different kind of relationship to form so i so i wondered if you, if if the two of you would comment on that about about what it is about camp that that allows friendships to form and whether or not you see them endure after those weeks that that kids spend with you um and, and just what what that looks like compared to other places or times in life I went to a wedding recently, and uh, it was our program directors. The program director at the girls' camp and the program director at the guys' camp actually got married, and um, that was awesome. But right. while I was there, I was I was pretty jaw dropped. The uh, the our our program director at the boys' camp, Dom, he had he started in camp after COVID, so his first year was 2021, and he's a cool guy. He's got great friends from college, from high school. And I was looking at the lineup of his groom men and he had, I think 10 of them. I think nine of the 10 of them were camp guys. Um, and you know, some of those, there was overlap, like a, someone he knew prior had already come, but probably like at least six or so he met in 2021. And I thought, you know, especially in, in my own wedding, I got married two years ago and in my own wedding, I experienced the same thing. I, was looking down and I was like, wow, you know, I, I went to school for 10 months a year for a, a couple decades, but so many of the guys who are here next to me on the altar were folks I went to camp with for three weeks a year when I was in high school. Um, and I, I think that I just mentioned that as like kind of a testimony, I think, to exactly what you bring up. And I, it, to me, it seems like a huge core part of it um, is that we're in a world where we all of us are craving authenticity. Um, it's really easy for us to curate an image of who we are online, um, you know, or in our interactions with other people that are brief. And at the end of the day, we go home. Um, while you're at camp, you're living with everybody, uh, like the, the folks in your cabin, the your co-counselors that you work with, like you're in a very tight community space where you're, you know, there's six to eight of you guys in one room and you're sharing bathroom facilities and you're sharing a dining hall, you're eating your meals together, you're going through a literal peck of salt together. Um, and I, I think that just goes so far to strip down to like, you know, whether it's your bad days or your good days, you see each other and you see each other's, uh, not just one another's virtues, but you get to see each other's virtues and your areas where you struggle more. And uh, you get to choose to love someone despite that. And, you know, that's, I think that's really, good and healthy and healing on both both ends right because for the person who is um who is you know becoming a friend um for the person who's getting to be known it's really good for them to know that they can have you know areas of their life where they're not perfect but that they're still loved and it's not just their parents who are telling them that or their siblings or, you know it's like this random person that i just met a week ago and they know so much about me all of a sudden um even on like you know the, the the retreat that you guys come and join us with even it's like five days in and you feel like you know each other so well um 
And I, I think for the person who's becoming known, it's important for them to see that someone else can see areas where they're not perfect and still really care for them and choose to be a good friend. And for the person who's doing the knowing, it's really important for them to have the opportunity to see that someone has flaws and still recognize that it exists within a greater totality of the person. So I think that that uh, that desire for authenticity, to be known and and to really get into the real and concrete and see that people have a huge capacity for love. Those are all really important. That's what at least that's what comes to mind for me. I think I could say more, but I don't know if I need to add anything to that. <laughs> Boom. Well, I'm going to ask a follow-up question because that's all I do here. Even if the question is not, in fact, a follow-up question, you have to frame it as a follow-up question. So that way you can kind of look back at your conversation and be like, wow, what a hermeneutic of continuity there. Um, so I, uh, a question that I like to ask of dads, both you, both of your dads, um, is like what virtues – do you want to cultivate in your kids? I remember asking this to Kevin Cruz at once and without hesitation, the first thing he said was, I want my kids to be fearless. I was like, that's so awesome. <laughs> that just gets me so pumped. Cause like you're a nutty person uh, in the best possible way and you're going to make nutty people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you're looking at your Choss boys, you're looking at your Cotalea girls, like you want it such that like a Choss boy is this way or a Cotalea girl is that way. What are the virtues that you want to cultivate in your, in your campers? Well, uh, Jeffrey mentioned our core values earlier. I'll just I'll, we we've spent a lot of time praying and discussing about about these things, and we've kind of boiled it down to five values um, that we've articulated for our community. The first one is welcome adventure. So the ability to say I want to live on an edge. I'm I'm going to find my frontier wherever that might be. Not just in these outdoor <coughs> adventure activities, but maybe it's in relationships or your spiritual life. I'm going to be someone who drives towards the edge of my ability and ask the Lord for grace to show me the next step. So welcoming adventure, having a spirit of adventure, seeing life as an invitation to adventure in God's story, uh, you know, in his providence, that, that's, that's a, a fundamental optimism that I think is present at camp. And I, our, we, we say our motto is have fun. So welcoming adventure, it's always lighthearted. There's a sense here that oh, what, what do we have to lose? Let's try. Let's see what happens. Um, let's take action. So that's the first core value. The second one is be the one. And this is taken from a, a quote from Mother Teresa where she said, do not wait for leaders. You be the one. Do it alone, person to person. In the sense that service is a part of a Christian community. So fill the need. Look around. Make yourself as useful as possible to your neighbor and treat them as more important than yourself. You know, so that's our second core value. Third is we are a family. Treating, you know, we, Jeffrey and I are literally family, but we encourage everybody in the camp community to treat each other like, you are my brother, you are my sister, and I will look out for you, and I will help you. And this is helpful because we have seven-year-olds up to 17-year-olds. So there's there's quite a spread of need that's created in a camp environment. The next core value is choose the hard right. Um, and this this comes from our camp prayer where there's a line, uh, Lord, help me to choose the hard right above the easy wrong. So having integrity, being um, honest with yourself and others, and being able to speak the truth in love, um, forgiving. These are, this is sort of subtenants, I would say. And finally, like Jeffrey said, our fifth core value is encounter faith. So it, this is what a trust man looks like. This is sort of the charism of our community, um, which is sort of a, a bit of human formation with spiritual 
formation uh, mixed in there. Helping people stand comfortably on their own two feet. A huge part of this is just being honest with yourself about your weaknesses. And um, like Jeffrey said, allowing others to see our imperfections and love us through those. And once you accept your weaknesses, you're, it's way easier to laugh at yourself, to take life lightly, and to uh, to enjoy the adventures. Because uh, it's less about performance and it's more about the people who are in your presence. And, and um, I, I'd say I, w I hope all those things for my own children. Um, I'm I'm glad you clarified that because I heard you say choose the far right. That's a little intense. Yes, we stay. <laughs> We're a very intense community. <laughs> no, choose the hard right. The hard choose right, the hard not right. the easy wrong. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Incredible. Well, we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, but okay, let's say I'm a parent who wants to send my kid to Chasta or Chastanga Catalay. Chastanga Or let's say that I am a high school guy and I'm looking to get a sweet summer job, which involves me doing wild things. Or let's say that I, for whatever reason, I'm an 11 year old that listens to Catalay. <laughs> 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 Mommy? What is the word anti-disestablishmentarianism? <laughs> I've said it four times this time. Um, so how do people find out more about your camps and, uh, and your mission? First, I would say don't try to pronounce the name yet or try to spell it into the Google search bar. Just, just Google twofuncamps.com. To make my dad proud, I'll say you can spell it any way you want. The number two, T-O, T-O-O, T-W-O. And you'll you'll find out a lot more about us there. Yeah. A great first step also would be our video, which is front and center at the top of our um, our website, and um, and that that will show you our property, show you the cabins campers live in, help you understand what to expect. Uh, and our website is all full of testimonials and other um, fun things to explore. And don't hesitate to reach out. There's a tab on our website that says Speak with the Director. That'll hook you directly up to our Calendly, which will generate the option for you to have a phone call or a Zoom just with us. So we'd love to talk to you and answer any questions you might have. That's awesome. I love, I'm always reminded of this every time we chat or hang out or watch Father Patrick plummet to his knee. <laughs> um, <laughs> as it as it were. Um, but I think one of, yeah, one of the beautiful things that I've benefited from camp is a kind of like renewal of my own humanity. I think that when you live with people who are human, like profoundly human, it's an invitation for you to be human, profoundly human. And I think that, you know, we all suffer our different temptations. For me, one temptation is a little bit like a little bit robotic or like an efficiency machine. And uh, that's just not, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, the 11th point on my checklist is to go to camp, just target. And then I go there, I'm like, oh, pff, forget the checklist, baby, let's go. Um, so always a joy to chat, always a joy to spend time. So thanks so much for joining us on the episode. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the time with you guys. God bless you. Thanks for having us. Hey, boom. All right. Turning to you, the listener. Thanks as always for listening to God's planning. Uh, and if you would, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, like the episode, subscribe on YouTube, your podcast app, leave a five-star review. I think I just instructed you to do four separate things. So God bless. If you can do one of them, gold stars all around. Um, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, if you can follow the link in the description or the show notes in the same link uh, or in the same description and our show notes, you'll also find links for merchandise for upcoming events. There are none. 
um, until January and then March and then April and then June and then November, all of them cloaked in darkness. Um, one of which is going to be a, a men's retreat at the aforementioned camps. So get pumped, get excited, uh, get uh, not something else. Yeah, all of those things. So um, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Money. 